This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. So with us today is wonderful Kim Thomas. Hi, everybody. Hello. She Hi. is the Partnership Director for Equal Opportunity Schools. Cool. Kim received her Bachelor of Arts in English from the University of Puget Sound and her Master's of Education in Multicultural Education from the University of Washington. She's a member of the Black Alumni Union at the University of Puget Sound and serves as a mentor for Palmer Scholars. And I put in quotes, Kimberly is deeply committed to educational access, equity, and transformation and a challenging Oh, and the challenging but critical work of ensuring that marginalized students have access to rigorous, transformative educational experiences. So cool. As Ooh. you can tell, she's a badass. And so that is why we've been That's a mouthful, isn't it? That was awesome. Uh, it's awesome because you're awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank what an honor. Coming. What welcome, an honor to be here. Welcome, welcome. So start first with telling us a little bit about your Tacoma story. You oh. are born and raised in Tacoma? Not born, but bred. Okay. Tell um, us about that. So born in Washington, D.C., oh. um, October 9, 1977, mm. Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Oh, wow. cool. 5.23 p.m. <laughs> um, so my parents were both um, in the Army. Um, they met while in the Army, and my parents were both stationed in D.C., and so I and my brother, Kenny, um, were born there. Um, the one mo- when my mom got out of the army, um, we moved, and my dad, we moved to Germany for a little while, and then my dad was stationed in South Korea, and then um, my mom, my brother, and I moved to Tacoma. Actually, Parkland at wow. first. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so my the first school that I attended in Parkland was James Sales oh, wow. Elementary. Um, and I believe they're the giraffes. Oh, like cool. That. Isn't that the greatest? <laughs> That's the best. Mascot. Yeah. I feel Isn't like the, the mascot would be awesome. Yeah. You just yeah. show up in like, ele- giraffe costumes it's so all the cute. time. That's adorable. My, yeah. my elementary school uh, mascot was... The All Stars, and it was just a oh, star. Yeah. It was like a star costume, and I was like, "That's funny." Like, I always I feel like it, it should cute. be a shoe. No, yeah. Converse. I don't no, know. maybe, maybe. Okay. yeah. I mean, everyone thinks that the at least that the Abe yeah. is like the yeah, that is true. like the silliest, most bizarre thing they've ever heard. And We've talked about at Lincoln changing it to like emancipators. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, and that's cute, and that's fine. But like, at, you know, it's I. There is something about like the fact that there's a high school and the mascot is like Abraham Lincoln's uh-huh. head. Like yeah. that. That yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, it's problematic. Yeah. But it's also <laughs> cute. Yeah. Cur- I just, cartoon it, head Abraham Lincoln. I know. Lincoln. Like, yeah. yeah. There's a lot yeah. going on, yeah. and you know, there's a lot going on all the time, and it's just, yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not my fight right now. So you went to high yeah. school at Lincoln, right? So I did. So I, so when we left Parkland and and moved to, so I grew up in South Tacoma, um, mm-hmm. and I attended Park Avenue Elementary School mm-hmm. for two years before it was okay. closed, um, and still standing, of course, yeah. um, and then went to Burning Elementary School for okay. fifth yep. grade, yep. then Baker. Then Lincoln High School, um, oh. and graduated in 1995 from Lincoln. And so, you know, being from Tacoma, mm-hmm. um, 
going, being educated in Tacoma in particular at Lincoln High School is very much a part of mm-hmm. my story mm-hmm. as you know, a human being, but also professionally. Um, and then I went on to college at the University of Puget Sound. Um, and so, you know, Tacoma to me, and I live now in Tacoma, is a really big part of who I am. And 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 really, it's a value to mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. Tacoma really shares, like the city itself shares a lot of my own values. So, um, and I, I think about Lincoln High School when I was attending between, you know, 91 and 95 and mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And it's um, really pretty spectacular, the change, the transformation mm-hmm. that Lincoln has seen mm-hmm. um, for marginalized students is really mm-hmm. um, exceptional. So talk about like concrete differences. What was that like back in, back in your day? You know, as if I mean, you're that old? yeah, back in my day, Lincoln was absolutely the school that you did not send your kids mm-hmm. to without question. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lincoln was the bad school. It was the school with all the black kids and the gangs. I mean, it was um, as much as I could, as much as I was able to understand that mm-hmm. as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Lincoln was was a place um, that nobody cared about. Lincoln was a place that if you did care, it was because somebody was killed, somebody was mm-hmm. shot in the park. Um, it just wasn't – it wasn't a place um, – just, you know, Lincoln's kind of public persona was so different in mm-hmm. the 1980s and 1990s. Um, <clears throat> what was so spectacular, though, about Lincoln as it is now was that it's it's always been majority students of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me – transitioning from a place like Lincoln High School into a place like the University of Puget Sound, Mm -hmm. one can imagine, um, Mm -hmm. speaking of transitions and transformation, what that was like to transition from a place like Lincoln. I just, just, yeah, I saw a student today who graduated last year who's at UPS this year and saying that how different it feels. But, I mean, it's a completely different world at Lincoln now. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that was even more of a contrast, right, Um, in 1996, right? I mean, you know, at the time that I entered UPS in in August of 1995, it Mm -hmm. was 92% white. Yeah. Um, Why did you pick UPS? You know, I picked UPS... Well, let me go back a little bit. Um, and Annie, this one's for you. So, you know, part of my equity story, my professional mm-hmm. equity story mm-hmm. is, you know, starts with, you know, my junior year, mm-hmm. really my sophomore, the end of my sophomore year at Lincoln. And mm-hmm. I and I, and I I talk about this a lot with schools um, in which I work and, and folks who are, you know, other folks doing racial equity work is, you know, for me, I was a pretty disengaged high school student. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a – but I was always a student who – played school really well. Mm, yeah. And as teachers, you know very intimately mm-hmm. what that means, that yeah. schools are very much like any other institution. They have a particular culture. There mm-hmm. is a way that yep. that we all have to navigate that culture and navigate yeah. that system. And I'm really good. I just happen to be a person that's pretty good at navigating systems. Mm-hmm. And I also happen to be a kid that's really good at sitting at a desk, mm-hmm. sitting at a desk yeah. quietly. Yeah. Um, and quote behaving in the way that mm-hmm. schools expect students to behave, mm-hmm. very white supremacist yeah. way of behaving, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking only when spoken to, etc. So I'm that kid, mm-hmm. um, but I can very clearly recall being, you know, generally disengaged, ninth and tenth grade, um, really not having a sense of myself as a student um, at all, yeah. and then um, and you know my grades were were, you know I probably had like low B's and C's and maybe a D even. Mm-hmm. But I was always 
college bound mm-hmm. in a very abstract way. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean? Yeah, and and I think a lot of kids, um, particularly first generation yep. students, as I was, you know, like the idea of college is out there, yeah. but it's really nebulous. It's really not clear. Like what? Like maybe mm-hmm. you've been to a college campus, maybe yeah. you haven't, mm-hmm. maybe you have no idea what colleges exist in your neighborhood. I had no idea that rich people lived in Tacoma, yeah. for example. Like yeah. I don't think I ever went. Beyond 38th Street, like I don't what in what in any direction. Like I, I that's didn't, still a, that's still a story for uh, so many absolute, kids today, absolutely. which is crazy. Sometimes crazy, I think, for people who don't experience that, or we have cars, yeah. or we just like go across right. town to go to a bar or a restaurant or a movie or something, right? But right. that's but as, like so many kids still have that experience. But as yeah. a young person, as yeah. a kid, and if you don't have access to a car, but even yeah. if you do, like why, why, why? if you yes. live on the east side, yeah. why yeah. would yeah. you come over to the yeah. north end to come? I genuinely, yeah. when, when I say that I did not know, I mean that yeah. mm-hmm. genuinely, that I had no idea that there were mansions in Tacoma. I had mm. no idea UPS existed mm-hmm. at all. Mm. Um, I didn't know anyone who was in college. Yeah. My parents didn't go to college. Um, I'm the well, oldest any, of three. Like, I was... Um, sort of first generation college student in terms of like going to a four year college but my you know you don't really the only ideas you have about college are sometimes like if you have access to them like stereotypes that are or like um popular movies no like, totally there's no I mean Absolutely. And, it's, yeah. and it's everybody's drunk and it's like you know there's not I mean you it's know like the party school it's all yeah, nobody, right. like frats nobody really knows how you like, get into college right like right. I think back to high school and I'm like my both my parents were college educated my dad has like multiple degrees after like masters and yeah. like a PhD actually in, in divinity I think if I remember correctly but I still remember thinking like I don't really know like that like process. how you actually get, yeah. right, like how how you get there and I right. think I had a lot of agency with my parents having that experience so it was always like you're gonna do it you fill out these applications and you just yeah. like sign this check off but it was still yeah, right. very right. nebulous right yeah. and I think about students who don't have who don't even hear that version right. of and you know I, it's so weird that I like I was trying to think of if there is a movie about college admissions and the only one that I can think <laughs> of is um, do you remember that Colin Hanks movie I think it was called Orange County yeah totally it was such a good movie yeah. but it's also like a super privileged kid who's like going to like <laughs> to his, Stanford his, his Stanford and his writing mentor which yeah. is like this like white guy's experience of like what? I want to be a writer you know and it's just like that's just not realistic to <laughs> no, like it's not. how people was live was Jack Black in that movie because I is. feel he like he is okay. yeah, totally yeah. Is. Yeah. it's actually that's, yeah, I no, remember funny absolutely yeah and so for me, my experience, mm-hmm. my understanding of college yeah. was um, watching a lot of college ba- – having college basketball mm-hmm. on TV yeah. at my house because yeah. my brother was a college well, – I'm sorry. My brother was a basketball player yeah. um, throughout middle school and eventually in high school. And so he watched a ton. Of, so I, I knew about – I knew about places like mm-hmm. University of Michigan because, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the – College athletics. Yeah. I knew yeah. about college – so I knew about colleges in that way. And so – to go back to the end of my 10th grade year or mm-hmm. say the beginning of my of my junior year, yeah. somehow I ended up in the one AP class offered at Lincoln High School at the time, which was AP U.S. History yeah. taught by Lynn Corzin. One, yeah. one AP class. Yes. Which is amazing because now we have the highest number of students I know. in AP classes in this entire like area. Yeah. Totally. It's so, so opposite. I mean, right? it's, it's it is night and day. I mean, there was How one AP you class get... and I had no idea. I didn't even know what it was. You just got thrown yeah. into that class accidentally? Right. And so um, I always say to people, like, I don't, I have no idea. And this is how this is part of that gatekeeping mm, yep. that we'll talk about a little bit later with with how yeah. marginalized students are able to yeah. just simply access yeah. rigor, right? So I ended up in this class, like, you know, and I always think, like, was it, like, did, did people sit down? Like, were there, like, a couple of teachers? Like, how yes. was I one of 30, yeah. how, was, how was I one of the 30 kids chosen out of my yeah. entire class to take the one APUS history right. class? Mm-hmm. I wasn't, again, not, I, I, I there's, I don't recall standing out in any way yeah. 
in previous courses. Yeah. I didn't have great grades, mm. but I but somehow, mm. yeah, thir- th- twenty nine kids and then me, yeah, out of my entire class. And how how again? How was that determined? What about the other yeah. kids? What about the kids who didn't end up in the class? Right, and it well, completely and it, changed yeah. the trajectory. This oh, really? course completely changed the trajectory of my high school mm. experience. Yeah. Of and I and I truly believe of my life, no yeah. doubt. And yeah. the reason I found out about UPS was because Lynn Corson's daughter was a junior at UPS. Oh, oh okay. Um, when I was a junior in high school, yeah. so yeah. she would talk about her daughter yeah. being at UPS, and I was like, "Oh, what's that place?" And I yeah. loved Lynn Corson. I loved yeah. her. I love her. Oh, shout um, out! Shout out! Shout <laughs> out to Miss Corson. Yeah, like but... she. <laughs> someone someone mentioned her the other day. That, like someone was talking about her at lunch, and they were like. This one was amazing, and I was like, I never met her because she's before my time. But um, no, I, I heard that name like literally yesterday. Cool. Yeah, and she's legendary. She's she is yeah. legend, yeah. absolute. Yeah. So icon. was her talking about her classes and her daughter. Yeah. What else about it? Like, why do you think that was such a pivotal moment? You know, I think I mean the course itself mm-hmm. changed my whole, changed my own, changed my perspective about myself mm-hmm. as a student as a learner, mm-hmm. and. I think that when you have, I mean, it, it's it's a testament to great teaching, right? Yeah. It's a testament to to rigor. It's a testament to material that yeah. feels relevant to uh-huh. your life, yep. even yeah. though yep. you're talking about Jacksonian democracy. Like, mm-hmm. it's somehow um, there's so many things happening in a course like that. Um, Again, particularly just magical teaching mm. that just grabs you. And I, I just was grabbed. And I wanted to do mm. so well. Yeah. And then I just started doing so well in all my classes. That's awesome. That's great. And I just started to become so confident in my ability to do well, in mm. my ability to, you know, do hard work. Mm. Um, to read in a way, to understand in a way that I just never had. And mm. so, you know. Again, that opportunity um, to to access a level of rigor mm-hmm. at Lincoln, which was kind of like that was it, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, I want to be super clear that I, I know there were other areas of rigor happening yeah. mm-hmm. at Lincoln High School at the time that I was taking AP with history. Yeah. I'm not saying that just because that was the one AP course yeah. that there weren't other yeah, teachers, right, yeah. other – um, there were other ways that kids were accessing high-level content that was very yeah. engaging. Um, and that's that's the same today. But because, you know, as a community of educators, mm-hmm. yeah. um, f- for better or worse, and I'm I'm not sure if it's better or worse, probably mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle, we have determined that yeah. AP and IB are the markers of rigor yeah. in mm-hmm. American high yep. schools. That's yep. what we've determined. So can you talk more about that? Like, what yeah. do you think about the fact that that's been decided as a marker? Because I, I mean, I teach it three AP sucks. classes. And I I have this tension of where I'm like, yeah, it is rigorous. But then I go to these yeah. AP trainings and I'm mm-hmm. like, it's only because y'all are gatekeeping about this stuff that really anybody yeah. else should because be learning it create, about. Because it creates scarcity. Totally. And that's what, exactly. That's what drives the, like... What how pe- why people perceive it as rigorous because uh-huh. they're like it's rare Absol- right that's and right I'm like if and this is a good course and why aren't why isn't everybody learning this right. information and or so why yeah I have had the stuff? same experience in AP trainings and also like just feeling like the college board is a racket mm. and so that's like my other thing I was gonna say fascist <laughs> and then you said racket I was like that's much more a reasonable rac- a racket uh, a fascist, fascist racket, racket. <laughs> say yeah. that five that's times fast fascist racket. Fashkit. Um, yeah, Ooh, yep, that's yeah, it. That's go. totally it. Um, so, yeah, I've had similar <laughs> feelings where I'm like, 
I'm like, our kids are like, because even the AP curriculum, they're like, look at all this flexibility you have in teaching mm. it. I'm like, man, but do you really like, because it's very, I don't know. It's a, yeah, I have a lot of feelings as well. So I, I too have so many feelings, Annie. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, and I, I think this question or the, the, um, the space of thinking or talking or problematizing AP and mm-hmm. IB is actually really critical mm-hmm. to um, to equity work. And so, you know, how do I feel about kind of, how do I feel about AP and IB being mm-hmm. being the thing? Yeah. Um, you know, again, the the thing that we have determined not actively like you, the mm-hmm. three of us wouldn't. Mm-hmm probably decide that that's the thing that we want kids to be measured on, that every college and university really worldwide understands yeah. what AP and IB is. They right. don't know mm-hmm. what running start is versus no. dual enrollment yep. in Rochester, Michigan, yep. one yep. of my districts. And even I feel like the term honors is very, like, I, oh my whatever. God. Honors I mean, gets slapped onto any kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But AP and IB um, create a standard. Like, that's yeah. almost totally. object- I mean, it's I not objective, in, but it feels no. objective. Somewhat. And because because schools and districts operate almost entirely from a scarcity viewpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is how, in fact, um, that is one of, I think, in a lot of ways, the kind of the operating principles of of districts and schools is really Mm -hmm. um, thinking about you know, it's 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 the commodification of yeah, learning, right? Cap- so it's a very capitalist way to think. Oh, about absolutely, education, right? Is- so, and we we always we <laughs> yeah. I, we always have to think about always, always, always remember. Yeah. As I know, you, you know, you two are really good at doing, is like always remember remember our context. Mm-hmm. Like we live in a context, and yeah. our schools exist in a very particular context that is the United States. So yeah. we know that means capitalist. We know that means white supremacist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know that means patriarchal. Yeah. We know what. Because that's that's who we are right. as a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Our schools are simply representatives, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and or representations rather of that in a very particular way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the way that learning is literally kind of meted out, kind of mm-hmm. given out, mm-hmm. um, is transactional. It's, it's extraordinarily right, transactional. Like, yeah. So I both am highly – and do I think that AP and IB are like – I mean, you know, come on. Like I'm not like, you know, burning the place down or anything. Like <laughs> right. I basically – like I tell people like like I am a – like I'm, I'm a, you know, a member of the DSA. But like the work I do is like, you know, like let's just be real. Like I don't – it is like tinkering at best. I mean it's like it's refor- – it's like we are operating. The work that mm-hmm. I do is operating in the margins at best. I mean I'm yeah. basically mm-hmm. like – like – a somewhat socially like liberal Republican. <laughs> okay, wait. Uh, I want to hear more about your social liberal Republicanism. But I know some of our. I was thinking about some of our listeners are not educators. Can mm-hmm. you explain the difference between AP and IB? Sure. And a little bit about that. Real yeah, quick? And definitely. Let's go back to that Republican okay. thing because yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yes. Oh God, I'm, I'm putting a bookmark. Kim yeah. Thomas, Republican. What? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like <laughs> no one. Be the no one needs that. Yeah. No one needs. <laughs> I don't need anyone believing that. So let's be sure to put a pin in it yeah. and go back. Okay. Welcome back to it. We'll so. Pins in it. But thank you for um, thanks for that hope because I also think that the language that we use is really important. Yeah, yeah. And as educators, we um, you know we need to be better 
mm-hmm. about the language that we use that really marginalizes people. Mm-hmm. And so AP Advanced Placement, mm-hmm. it is a um, it is a, a program cre- that is created and owned by the College Board, yeah. um, which is a nonprofit organization. Um, that <laughs> Wait, very, they're nonprofit? Yeah, yeah. that very much no. runs like a corporation. Oh, I've yeah. always thought they were for profit. You didn't know they were nonprofit? They're nonprofit. What? Girl, they I don't pay. They don't pay. New. They don't pay taxes. But they make hella books that everyone buys. And hella, so but much they money. don't pay taxes. <laughs> hella, and right, so AP, right. our, the advanced placement program is a program that schools buy into, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they offer a suite of courses um, that typically juniors and seniors take. Although schools yep. also mm-hmm. offer them to sophomores. IB is the International Baccalaureate mm-hmm. program. International Baccalaureate was founded um, in the nineteen. 19- 30s really for for this the kids of of diplomats who were living yeah. abroad mm, yeah. and so it tends to ha- it, it is a much more international type mm-hmm. program it is similar to AP it's also it's less common in the United States yeah. AP is much more common some schools have both AP courses yeah. and mm-hmm. IB courses some schools have one or the other do you think one yeah. or the other is better I think that in terms of depth of learning mm-hmm. IB is has has AP Mm-hmm. beat big yeah. time AP is much more about breath it's just a yeah. ton know of content all crap know all this crap spit and spit it out IB at least allows for a greater depth mm-hmm. of learning mm-hmm. um, and there are ways in which students can students can take can can graduate high school with what's called an IB diploma yeah. mm-hmm. or they can take depending on the school just take two or three IB courses yeah. as they would take two or three AP courses. Sure. Um, both programs uh, culminate in an exam. Okay, yeah. So, Annie, for your class, obviously, mm-hmm. kids are going to take the AP yeah. U.S. History exam. Yeah. Um, it's not required for students to take. In most schools, it's highly recommended or encouraged yeah. or it's a thing that kids typically just think they're going to do. Yeah, well, And, and that happens in May. At yeah. Tacoma schools, I appreciate pays for totally. that for our yeah. students. Yes. Which is, uh, we have very back few to students that point about like equity and assets. Yeah. The test right. Because, right. Because, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Because a lot of times it. it's the funding that you can't, like kids right. can't afford to take the test, so why are they going to take it? Because what is so it now? Like divides. 90, it's like yeah. $92? It's really expensive, yeah. It was like 50 bucks when I was in high school. Same. Yeah, it's not, I mean... So it's it's gone up a lot in price. Yeah. So I appreciate that like schools like TPS or districts like TPS are trying to work yeah. around mm-hmm. e- equity and asset access mm-hmm. when it comes to that kind of thing. But yeah. do you um, – so thinking about the demographics of people who take AP versus IB, mm. I know a lot more about the AP because that's kind of the mm-hmm. world I'm more in. But thinking mm-hmm. about it's mostly white and mostly Asian mm-hmm. and a lot of girls. Is that the same thing mm. with IB or are you seeing something different? Um, it's the same. So fewer than – or I should say less than 3% of AP and IB programs in American high schools are racially or mm. economically equitable. Mm. So the vast majority of students who are sitting in those classes right now, mm. maybe not right now because they're out for um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Hey. Recording, yeah. Um, <laughs> but are, are, are medium, high-income, white and Asian students. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about racial equity in schools, we yeah. when I say we, I, I mean like – us as a community, yeah. mm-hmm. we are literally talking about thousands of students of color and mm-hmm. low-income students who simply do not have access to AP and mm-hmm. IB. Mm-hmm. Again, what we have determined is the marker of rigor. What right. we have said yeah. as yeah. educators, like this is the we thing, this is what, the best yeah. of the best. Yeah. This yeah. is as high as you can go. Yeah, And we have less than 3% of those programs racially 
and economically mm-hmm. equitable. The vast majority of kids in those courses are medium high income white and Asian students, yeah. which of course means who are the kids going on to higher education? Who are right. the kids then showing up every fall right. on college campuses nationwide? And so when so for me, you know, while I have so many gripes and beefs with AP and IB um, in terms of the content, in terms of um, in terms of the college board mm-hmm. and the, the the way that it operates, the way that it acts as a gatekeeper, yeah, um, et cetera. What I also believe is if we've determined that this is the best, why are so many of our marginalized students not why are why are they being left out? Yeah. I think a really good way to something that really helped me understand this and to kind of get past um, this feeling of like, why are we talking about like, why do I care about AP? Why, yeah. why do I want to get black kids in AP? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like kids are sitting a black kid isn't. It's not like AP is going to, like, transform necessarily. Um, You know, we're not talking – these aren't freedom schools, right? Like, this is, like, pretty traditional, if not Mm -hmm. very traditional stuff, right? Well, because part of the approach – I mean, just for those people who don't really know that, it's very, like, you go fast. You read a lot of stuff. You take a lot of notes, and then you spit it out on exams. And I I, I know there there are tons of AP teachers that don't teach like that because – I mean, that's not good teaching mm-hmm. anyway. Right. But I think just even the structure of it, like you mentioned, in terms of really structured and a sp- specific kind of cultural mm-hmm. idea well, of what learning is, absolutely. which is not yeah. collaborative. Well, it's just like also, what's top the, down. What's the difference between like rigor and fast pace? Mm-hmm. Because like I think that's yeah. kind of a distinction. Or rigor and a lot of work. Yeah. yeah like yeah. A, 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 a burden like, this is so rigorous. Yeah. You just read like, like 50 yeah. pages and didn't do squat with Yeah. What is that? Um, you know, how are those things related? Because I feel like if if all an AP class is, is just like telling a kid right to read 50 mm-hmm. pages, then, you know, is that rigor or is it just kind of um, sadistic? <laughs> right. Like, and I, and I, and those, all of that stuff is part of the work that I do. And yeah. I, and I always think about, and this is something that, um, a colleague of mine said to me, um, early on in, in my work with EOS, um, was, you know, Folks did not sit in at Woolworths because that food was delicious. Mm-hmm. Like no one gives a mm-hmm. shit about the mm-hmm. food at yeah. Woolworths, right? Like that was not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue was this is a public place. Yeah. And as a citizen of this place, I deserve access. Yep. Yeah. Like this is not about the egg cream. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this is not about the meatloaf sandwich yeah. or the blue plate special. Like, no one, really, that is not I the just, issue. I want to yeah. shout the mic, like, preach, because I feel like I'm <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> so, like, like yes. and I think it's really important yes. as yes. Um, yes. as educators in the movement yeah. mm-hmm. to, to be really clear mm-hmm. about that, because mm-hmm. I think it's really easy, and I am a person who um, who is very susceptible to this. I think it's really easy to um, just feel very bogged down in the, like, mm-hmm. Just the bullshit yeah. of of um, you know of of AP right mm-hmm. like just like you know just just because it's an AP class doesn't mean that it's a transformative experience right. that it's a good teacher I, that it's yeah. that it's powerful yeah. but and this is hard because I I, I would love for the nuance to yeah. not be there I would love yeah. for there to be I would love for it to be much more simple simple but it's simply not and so I really come back to um and the and the reason that I feel so energized and um that I really feel like this work is a moral imperative is that um 
And I am absolutely here for people problematizing this, by the way, mm-hmm. is that, again, um, if we say this is the best, then every single kid and if schools are going to say all kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If schools are going to say you could get on. You know, those out there in listener land, you could Google (laughs) any school, any district nationwide, and I promise you that a mission statement or a vision statement or a motto or something on that website is going to say something about all students. Mm -hmm. And I can also promise you that doesn't happen ever, Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen at the at the very basic levels of education and teaching and learning and, the, and what I mean in terms of the very basic level is simply getting in a class, mm-hmm. like literally going to class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's for me, I always come back to this is what we've said is the best. So now we have to bust our ass yeah. to help break down mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. of oppression mm-hmm. and systems of inequity and, and, and institutional racism yeah. and white fragility and mm-hmm. all of that stuff it, in order to make this happen. And it's so yeah. tiny. It's such a small point piece. Yeah. It almost feels like some of the stuff that – feels petty about like complaining about like ap um it's kind of a smoke screen right yeah Where it's like yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a distraction like yeah you mean these kids aren't ap ready i just really like they're just yeah, not ready i don't it just seems or like even even just being mad at the college board instead yeah, of right. reflecting back at your yeah. building and being like hold a mirror to your building and be like what the what the you know what's happening yeah. here because totally it's a distraction that's such a good call like, like in the mm-hmm. like the root of it is really like i mean at lincoln we have an opt-out um, program an AP and it's basically like all kids are enrolled if they choose not to be enrolled then that's there you can work with their counselor or whatever to to not be in the AP course and I've I, I was at a training and I mentioned and I won't name the training because I don't want um don't want to call this I do want to call this person now but I don't remember their name um I got the shame <laughs> bell ready to go yeah you should you should ring it from this because like he said um Here, Jim. oh you okay. said, I'm gonna um, wait till Annie Kay. says it and then yeah. I'm gonna do it because the other the other teachers in this training were you know talking about AP and they said um well how do you select students for AP and I explained you know in Tacoma this is what we do or at least at Lincoln this is what we do and um this guy will te- teach us at a pr- he who shall not be named an elite <laughs> private school that won't be named mm. here um, in the area possibly I mean well, yeah we don't know maybe, maybe it starts with a B the I larger Puget Sound oh, oh, yeah. the larger huh. Puget Sound <laughs> region said um, oh that's such a that's such a Tacoma thing to do just oh like the racism word. watchdog on Twitter <laughs> yes. goes, yeah, woof, 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 woof. And I was like, yeah. and I actually oh, looked at him and I said, what do you mean yeah. it's a Tacoma thing to do? And he's like, it's just like all that focus on like equity. And I'm like, oh, boo. Yeah. It's yeah, not, it's, it's like, um, it's barely veiled. Like, yeah. like yeah. people out here trying to speak in <laughs> racial code and it's like, <laughs> it's, but they're, they're not, it's not code. Yeah. It's no, just hella racist. And just also, say it's it. like, just say it, yo. Yeah. And also, like, a like, like saying it's a Tacoma thing to do, I'm like, brother, you teach in Tacoma. You just teach at a school that's fancy. Does this school like, rhyme with Schmellerman? It, <sighs> I mean, in space. maybe. Wait once if you're. <laughs> I, I feel like I shouldn't because he's probably the only APD teacher in Mellerman. I'm sure he doesn't listen to our interchangeable white ladies but, podcast you know, about we, weird. I won't have no idea. But you know, I think to to. This is so great yeah. and also like it's so, so it's so great and terrible and so yeah. typical. Yeah. And, and and it's such a common like belief it about is. AP. It's insane. Like 
how pervasive it is. It's, um, I, yeah, I just, yeah, yes. Well, I think back to the first trainings I did, and I had a really amazing Larry Scanlon, shout out, also old white dude who doesn't listen to the show. But I really liked his philosophy about, like, learning and the idea that all kids yeah. should have access to this information and rigor and all that stuff. But then, I, and I found, I was, re- I was really, inter- I am interested still about the fact that College Board has these little blurbs on all their handouts now that are like, we really believe in equity and access and that every kid should have access to high quality instruction and interesting learning and relevant and college preparedness, or I never had to yeah. know how to say that word. Um, and so I found it really interesting. But then as I started asking, like, gritty questions, uh-huh. right, I'm like, okay, so I'm teaching gritty a- questions. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, I'm I teaching really an AP like class that. after school. Yeah. How do I make sure I, you know, four days a week, how do I make sure kids get the content? And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And, then, you know, or like, how do I keep kids motivated when it's yeah. the seventh period of their day and they're dealing with really intense things, you know, yeah. and like, no, but it was like just crickets. And everyone's like, that uh. sounds really challenging. And I'm uh. like, bro, it sure is. is. <laughs> like, I'm about to teach this. I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. You know, and help me oh, like figure out what to do with kids when I don't have I access think, to this, this and this and this. There's something weird about AP2 that I, I noticed in. I think it's that in some buildings there are people who, in terms of like gatekeeping, mm. are afraid of kids failing. Yes, and so they won't try. Yes, because they don't want those numbers to reflect poorly on well, their school. Yeah. Yep. And but the thing is, when you give kids the opportunities, they rise to the opportunity. Right. So it's like, why are you? Go. What's your fear about? Like, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh no, you're Annie. fine. I, yeah, I, go ahead. You know, yeah. can I? I, I want to go back to the the teacher at the um at Schmeller. Schmeller. <laughs> um and I'm not you know I I'm not I as much as I don't particularly want like I don't think shame is really like a super useful Mm-mm. tactic although no. feel super good on Twitter though when you're yeah. just like you're just like <laughs> you're just a piece of shit. Um I think I do, however, think it's really important that we as educators are able to say to call out other educators yeah. in our community mm-hmm. and say, like, this is a practice. This yeah. is this is a pattern of behavior and practice right. that exists. And um, because, you know, there's so much in in, I think, K-12 education around, you know, well, because and I think this can be a real benefit yeah. because schools are so much, you know, um, you know, folks in schools are so much like queens of that domain. Like you yeah. have, like there's so much local control mm, right. happening in buildings that there tends to be like, well, you know, they're, this is what I heard they're doing over it. And it's like, that shit really affects that. Those are children. You're yeah. speaking yeah. about, so when, yeah. when someone says things like, oh, Tacoma's always doing that. Right. Like it's an immediate racial I, dog whistle. And, yeah. and I got really, I got, I, of all course. the uh, hairs on my arms and neck stood up and I just looked at him and I was like, and I, in the moment I didn't, I, I asked him to elaborate because if I had said to him what I was really thinking, right. I think I would have been asked to leave because I was like, I I cannot, like, you're not, we're not talking about abstract terms here. We're yeah. talking about actual children that I teach. So like, are you like, what is your deal? Like, I, I just. Like actual a, kids lie. Lives yeah, and actual right. and our community, right? right? Like our yeah. community, yeah. Um, and 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 our ability as adults in yeah. the room, right? To 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 make decisions on behalf yeah. of of families and children of color, yeah. Who have the who have the least, um, who are, who are have the least power, yeah. the, the most vulnerable in our community, mm, right. and so I don't really want to sit here. I, I don't. I don't really. I don't want to sit here and like continue talking about Schmellerman or that dude. <laughs> but what I think is really interesting, and it shows up, and and not to just blame yeah. independent 
yeah. schools or schools. No, because some because independent this schools. Stuff happens yeah, and everywhere. some independent schools are doing a really great, great. work in terms of like. And yeah. yeah. We know there are teachers at Lincoln High School who also believe yep. that. Yep. Who yep. also believe yeah. like, Let's oh, we're doing this thing everywhere. with yep. AP for they're all, and yep. oh my God, well, like thing it's to do. it's like yeah. what I'm so it's 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 dumbing down. It's yeah. um, bringing down the level of the course. It certainly is bringing down the level of my teaching. Yeah, people say that all the time, and I am just like, how about you be a better teacher and just make adjustments because you can't change people that are in front of you you those that's who you have and that's your job is to meet them wherever they're yeah. at and, and, and so much of this work else. is is both a, is i mean there's so much that goes into this work and yeah. part of i think doing racial equity yeah. in any in any field well or or being in the movement well is having to hold so many things mm, yeah. at once yeah. and and being able to to be really adept and flexible and adaptable yeah. in terms of um it's not just it's not just white supremacy it's yeah, not yeah. just yeah um it's not just institutional racism mm-hmm. it is very much those things yeah but it's also and i think the things Things like how are we defining rigor? Mm-hmm. How are we defining challenge? Right. How are we defining good teaching? Right. What is it to, um, what is it to, uh, show up in a class and just have kids sitting at desks mm-hmm. doing pretty rote. Yeah. disengaging work. Yep. I think all of that springs from white supremacy yep. and yeah. springs from the, from institutionalized racism. Mm-hmm. But we we have to in this work be able to talk to schools about how what is the conversation about challenge and success mm-hmm. in the school. Yeah. Yeah. Like and and I can most of the time people can't answer that question. Mm-hmm. They can say like how like individually mm-hmm. they define challenge, yeah. which they're rarely talking to their students about by the way yeah like they're rarely like sharing with their students the idea that challenge and the and learning and learning to um think critically even if it's not very fun for you and it doesn't feel very good all the time and it's hard yeah that is those are skills and things that are really important right you have to lift the hood for kids on some of your own thinking sometimes about like i mean i found that i've had the best like um emotional connections which lead to stronger like academic work mm-hmm. from kids when I'm just real with them about like why I'm doing certain things like absolutely. I'm, I'm making this I'm making this, absolutely. I'm making this move for this reason yeah. and then they don't yes. feel like it's pointless yeah. or like they're being led down a path that they're like what are we doing I'm like, like you might they, not like this answer but here's yeah. the answer absolutely. Right? and I don't know yeah. why what's the point of hiding it there's yeah. no point I think I think for some teachers it's sort of like um because I, you, I think we talked about this before that I had, at Western I had a – it was like teacher as performer class. And so some teachers mm. do think of teaching as performative mm. to the point where mm-hmm. they are like, I am the – I am putting on the show and like – Well, there's this a bit of that, right? Curtain, like, right? Yeah, yes. right. And some people Dress are very day protective like, about – About what's behind yeah. the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And Fake I, it until you make it as a like – Yeah. <laughs> and performance. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is just so much about, you know, teacher practice and what's going on yeah. in TEP programs nationwide right. and how we – talk about I mean certainly we could just have a a very long conversation about just how we talk about teaching and teachers yeah right right like Mm -hmm. actually how we talk about that profession and how we deprofessionalize that profession etc um so it's all of that Mm -hmm. but I I think that you know racial building racial and economic equity in AP programs Mm -hmm. in an individual Mm -hmm. school um is is it's both about access to the course, mm-hmm. 
so the opportunity to actually take the best class yep. in, in your school. And then, of course, the next step, if you can think about it as a, as a next step, is really, okay, what are the conversations that need to happen? Because that the work of achieving racial equity in schools is not kid work. Mm-hmm. It's adult work. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we don't, there's not, there is not an achievement gap. Right. Speak. It's, there is not an achievement gap in mm-hmm. American high schools. Yeah. There is an opportunity gap. Yeah. We know that in this culture, in this country, it has always been this way, that race, mm-hmm. first and foremost, and class precede opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. Opportunity is doled out yeah. based yeah. on who yeah. you are and what you look like and where yeah. you live. Right. So the same things happen in schools. Yeah. And so we have to talk about not only like the access, but also what does it mean to be a black kid in an AP class? Right. What does yeah. it mean to be successful in AP? Yeah. Because I don't believe success means uh, acquiescing to whiteness and right. acquiescing mm-hmm. to the dominant culture. Right. Yeah. right? So yeah. that that right there. So schools are like hella into like getting 50 kids mm-hmm. that are in their gap in mm-hmm. doing AP class. Like, you know, yeah. honestly, yeah. I don't I, I, I don't experience a ton of pushback in regards to just getting kids in classes, mm-hmm. right? Typically. Yeah. The pushback comes like, oh, by the way, that's great. And like I like we're gonna we're gonna enroll kids mm-hmm. because that's that's an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. But like now we gotta talk about why the inequity exists anyway. Yeah. And that you cannot talk about that. It mm-hmm. is you if you are talking about inequity mm-hmm. in your school without talking about race, mm-hmm. class, yep. white supremacy, yep. white fragility, right. you are totally mm-hmm. doing it wrong. Yeah. If you're doing any of this work, frankly, if you're talking about education, period, huh. without talking about yeah. race and poverty, yeah. I am frankly totally uninterested. Yeah. Like I do yeah. not even I like you should do whatever it is you want to do, but I'm told I'm go- I'm out of here. Like yeah. I'm not interested right. in conversations about education, which and schools which are bastions of white supremacy. Yeah, I am not interested in having conversations about schools mm-hmm. without a conversation about race and class yeah. and white supremacy and white fragility and all that stuff. That's where people are like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't but, but when, but but when we I... signed on though, I thought we were just gonna like enroll a bunch of kids and, and that then, was it. And that's the magic wand to And fix that was all the that problems. was gonna be cool because equity yeah. is kind of the new black, if you will. <laughs> oh my like gosh, equity no. ec- like, that's why the college board that's why that that's it's why the it's thing now. Yeah. Like yeah. it used to yeah. be I don't what what did it used to what was it? I 10 think it was years diversity. Ago? I have like a blog in me that I haven't written yet where I'm like diversity is the new cool word and then right. it went away and then now it's equity and everyone's just like slapping that on their mission statement or like educational card. technology yeah. or like you know there's all <laughs> yeah. these things and now <laughs> equity something. is the thing yeah. equity is like, like the y'all thing don't know what the nobody knows what it means right. we're still trying to figure it out and yeah. part of the reason that it's a thing is because we live in because 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 capitalism yeah. like yeah. like there are like, industry and communities are now like you're like wow like our demographics like mm-hmm. no longer mm-hmm. is this neighborhood yeah. or this community mm-hmm. um yeah. you know 92% white yeah. now yeah. it's 62% uh immigrant yeah. families <laughs> like, and how am I, I mean, sell this you now? know so <laughs> it's it's not this isn't people aren't doing this necessarily out of the kindness of their hearts or, the, or yeah. because it's a moral a imperative yeah. right. equity is 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 hot right now mm-hmm. because communities and industry and the way that that those two entities like interact with one another have mm-hmm. have determined like we we need to like get our shit together because mm-hmm. we aren't gonna have like yeah. literally there will not be workers is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, again, you know, you have to I we as educators in the movement have to in some ways kind of put that aside because mm-hmm. that's like a really 
that's that's just grim. That's like cynical as hell, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, late stage capitalism, <laughs> late stage capitalism out here, like out here, yeah, just yeah. doing the most. Yeah. So, so what I endeavor to do in my work, and I think what you all endeavor to do in your little. Right, yeah, like yeah. TJP, and in and in you know the Nates and the Corinnas and the Annies and Hopes and others of the world endeavor to do as much justice work within mm. that you know parameter and paradigm as possible. And I think that's really, honestly, from you know I'm 41 now, and I feel like that actually is the work. Mm-hmm. is like creating and not everyone is going to agree with this and people are like yeah I just think we should just be burning the thing down and like believe me like there is a part of me that absolutely is about that yeah for now however yeah. um I've I my commitment to myself mm-hmm. and to to the work like the, my commitment to the work or to the movement is within this this very small mm. niche um that that within that is I'm going to push as hard as possible Mm -hmm. and show up a little braver Mm -hmm. every time than the last time. I'm going to say the thing that I feel like I can't say because I feel like I'm going to shut down the group. I'm going to shut down this principal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shut down these teachers. They're not going to want to work. I just feel like at this point in my – in this, and I was going to say my career, but in this point, in 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 this point in my own journey with yeah. racial equity, I actually want to say the things that actually might get me kicked out of the space. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break right there, um, and then we're going to hear more about that when we get back. Absolutely. This is Amanda Westbrook, host of the sister podcast We Are Tacoma. How do you balance changing the world with paying bills? Thanks to a new program at Pacific Lutheran University, you may not have to. Let me tell you about the PLU Pledge. Here's the pledge PLU makes to new undergraduate students. If, after you graduate, you have a full-time job and you make less than $40,000 per year, PLU will help you make your student loan payments. Got that? If you want to pursue your passion in, let's say, music, or you want to fight to make the world a better place through nonprofit work, but your paycheck just isn't where it needs to be yet, PLU will step in and help. It's one way that PLU invests in its students, even after they've left the campus, and one of the many ways PLU works to be accessible and affordable for all students. Check out plu.edu slash PLU Pledge to learn more because student debt shouldn't stand in the way of following your passion. We're back. Um, so I, I have would, so many questions, but uh, did you have a quick one? Well, I, we, know, we put a pin in that. Oh, thing we about put a pin. Your, we we want to know about Kim's Republicanism. Yeah. You're, you're, is it your Republican streak or is it like a Republican? And then I have one question from a listener yeah. who knew we were going to talk to you today. Okay. So. Should, should I discuss our pin? Yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about the so, pin. Take the pin out. You know, I am... You know, I am a person who has always, I mean, ever since I became politicized, which I think if if I'm able to really pinpoint that moment, I think it was watching the LA uprisings on television Mm -hmm. in 1992. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, And I would have been going into my sophomore year at Lincoln, I think. but I, I, I very much – I have a clear 
clear memory of being home for the summer. Mm-hmm. Like my brother's there. We probably had a couple friends over and just having the TV on because we always have we always have the TV on yeah. mm-hmm. and just seeing L.A. burn. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a house, you know, I am a biracial black woman, and I grew up primarily with my white mom. Shout out to Pat Thomas, because mm, she is yeah. the best. Um, but I grew up in a house and around people who were of color. Yeah. I went to Lincoln High School where you were either black, brown, or at least poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, we didn't have conversations about race mm-hmm. um, when I was young, because I Maybe it wasn't necessary to have conversations mm-hmm. about race. I never – so my consciousness around race and racism mm-hmm. and injustice I feel like was was like started, you know, really started I think with mm-hmm. that visual. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would say even before and I remember watching Rodney King. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching the video of Rodney King being nearly murdered. Mm-hmm. Um but I think even then it was – it didn't quite come together mm-hmm. until the aftermath of that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I have been – I'm a very political person. I wear my politics on my sleeve. Um, I So for me, like there is no separation, uh, you know, between politics and personal and my mm-hmm. work. and po- I mean it's – to me, it's like I show up mm-hmm. in my work. I show up at my house. I show up here – in the way that I would show up politically mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so um, I recently joined um, the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe Monique Letourneau is also a member Probably. of Tacoma yeah, DSA. Hi, Monique. I saw she was doing some stuff with the housing equity at the city yeah. council meeting. And yeah. I saw yes. her amazing poster. And I was just like, hey, girl. Also, um, shout yeah. out to the housing advocates for yeah, winning. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. a very, very critical, amazing. important win. Yeah. Um, and so what I was trying to say earlier was that, you know, the work that I do, I struggle with the work that I do not being radical enough, not hmm. being enough, not yeah. being yeah. woke enough. I mean, I struggle with that all the time. Yeah. And so for me, I think I, – and I think it's been really important for me to really understand that my – that the kind of work that I do isn't – it's not radical work. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I endeavor to get more kids of color and poor kids into AP and IB classes. And you feel that's mm-hmm. not right? radical because that just feels like that's what everybody should be doing? I mean, that's partly that, yeah. but also because, you know, AP and IB are AP and IB. Mm-hmm. These are courses that are teaching, you know, very traditional. They're the man. They're the man, yeah. you know, in short. Yeah. You know, this isn't yeah. stuff where, again, we're we're taking kids out of, we're not, you know, yeah. we're not taking marginalized kids out of public high schools and putting them into, like, freedom schools. Right. I know. Right? I, I kind of wonder about the same thing, but then I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, sometimes I wrestle with, like, but is it radical to do something that's not the status quo, which and currently right now status quo is not to have those kids in those classes. Right, so absolutely. Then I'm like, mm-hmm. but that's not really what the word radical means. Yeah, and right. I just go around and around in a right. circle in my head. And I think that people who would, you know, I think progressives, people on the le- people, you know, people on the left, you know, for the lack of a for simplicity's sake, mm-hmm. are probably always you know, we are always struggling with that kind of internal mm-hmm. conflict around I'm not doing enough. I'm not. Mm. This isn't. This again. It's not radical enough. I. I need. It's not. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like we really need to be like creating a brand new paradigm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it. So I. I just want to name that. I yeah. want to name that as a as a thing that I think happens mm. probably for a lot of people in the movement. I was just in Detroit, 
two weeks ago for the Race Forward conference. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Um, Toronto Burke was the keynote. Um, just shout out Toronto Burke, founder of Me Too, and just wow. The woman is absolutely the powerhouse. Just she's just yeah. phenomenal. And the way that she's able to speak about her own place in the movement mm-hmm. is so powerful and wonderful mm-hmm. and empowering and real and truthful That's and awesome. nuanced and conflicted and mm-hmm. complicated. And I feel like we as, you know, educators in the movement need to need to really just just own that and speak mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not you know, I am not a this is I am I am not a pure, you know, democratic socialist left person. This mm-hmm. I, there's no purity politics that I mm-hmm. that I've found that has worked super yeah. well mm-hmm. for me and this work. So I just I just you know that to me is important to name because it's a thing that I go through every yeah, single yeah. day. Well, and I've had this conversation too with folks where I've said you know my kind of my feeling about it is that that schools and school systems are inherently conservative institutions and they're not conservative, politically conservative. They're conservative because they resist change. And if you want change to happen, it's sometimes um, it takes, um, you know, you got to shake shit up because Mm. I like the, and I actually told someone that at one point, oh yeah, it's like, I think it was in grad school, someone in my cohort, oh, the schools are, you know, inherently conservative institutions. No, they're not. Teachers are super liberal. People mm. are super liberal. And I'm like, no, it's not the people. It's not. It's the systems, right? Because very different. If you want to tear it, yeah. if you want to tear it down and fix it, it's yeah. not. It's there are individual. There's an individual role in doing that, but it's like they're, you know, the systems are. Mm-hmm. That's where you have to attack the heart. It's mm-hmm. like we were talking about. It's really great. This is kind of tangentially related. We were um, talking in AP about read this really great, um, and it actually came from a teaching tolerance lesson about Thanksgiving. Native American woman talking about why she celebrates Thanksgiving as like a reclaiming of like um, this um, idea of gratitude and like giving even like in the face of like genocide. And so she was talking about how um, there's this uh, Dakota um, story about how an evil person um, keeps their heart outside their body. Mm. Right. And so that it's like Mm. – and I don't remember exactly what the rationale is, but it's like that they keep their heart separate from their body because um, then they can protect their like – protect themselves from harm or whatever. But I think about if in, if we are going to attack, you know, and destroy the thing that is, like, hurting our kids and, like, um, holding them back, like, we're, we might be attacking in the wrong location, right? Mm-hmm. So you think if you, like, are trying to find the heart outside the mm-hmm. body, where is it, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is the real – what's the real issue? Like, how deep do you go to, like, to solve it? But – yeah. yeah. So and, that got real philosophical. Yeah. No, that's, that a, you know, and that is what is so. <laughs> I didn't get any coffee before I came and I think whoa, it, I'm really, I'm feeling it really hard. I'm that is like, so deep, man. That like, super bums me out yeah. actually. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Like coffee to me is like it's very, like, it's, it's like, like water. Yeah. It I'm, is critically important. Yeah. I actually realized I started drinking an extra cup of coffee every day and my kids are like, have noticed. They're like, cause we talked about, I have this thing where I'm like, oh my God. let's just describe... like, you're a better person. Yeah. No, I was like, yeah, basically I was right? like, let's describe the year and this time of the year, some people have kind of an emotional slump so mm. where we are right now we're kind of in a like a little bit of a valley and they're like yeah you're totally in a valley Miss Jansen and I was like no but it's everybody and they're like no it's specifically you. <laughs> and so then I started drinking drink more, more coffee. coffee and they're like you seem better and I'm like <laughs> no that's totally why yeah totally so totally. question for you Kim yeah um, kind of before we transition out mm-hmm. of this part of things um why should people who are not in education care about this 
because some of our listeners are uh-huh. not directly teaching or are not directly educators. Uh-huh. So we think about this in, in, in the framing of like the left or progressive uh-huh. or people who care yeah. about or even just access. being immersed in our jobs. Like I was thinking uh-huh. about I was thinking about ed- educational equity and AP literally earlier today. And then we yeah. without even thinking, you know, about our conversation this afternoon. And then so like how do we get people to care about it who aren't educators or who aren't clued in? I mean, you know, the first thing I'll say is, you know, it's simply the right thing to do. Like this is this is the right it is it is righteous mm-hmm. to give a shit about what happens <laughs> mm-hmm. with st- a- apathy's not cool anymore. It's 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 really it's just really not. Mm-hmm. Um and it it was it and if it never was cool, so yeah. anyone who thought it was cool, mm, yeah. It just wasn't. Yeah. Um so I you know I I I do think that there is absolutely something to be said for it's simply the right thing to do mm-hmm. to whether or not you are a parent, whether or not you are an educator, whether or not you live um, in in a community that looks like Tacoma. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, these are these these are our children, our community's yeah. children, and yeah. they will eventually be adults mm-hmm. um, who are out in the world. Yeah. Who will we hope become decision makers and yeah. leaders yeah. and um, change makers mm-hmm. and um, engaged members of their community? And I truly believe, you know, Chris Emden talks about this a lot. Yeah. Um, shout out, he is he is an icon. That you know we shouldn't be educating kids to leave their neighborhood. We should huh. be educating kids to go back to their neighborhood. Yeah. And be change makers and decision makers and leaders and engaged members mm-hmm. of that neighborhood, that community. Yeah. Um, you know, these are these are. I mean, to, not to sound cliche, but but the our our kids will be mm-hmm. those in our community making decisions yeah. for our community yeah. and for us, and we want them yeah. to mm-hmm. be knowledgeable and. Open-minded yeah. and open-hearted and vulnerable and able to think critically yeah. and able to engage with one another and with different kinds of people mm-hmm. and to and to to you know be able to also to live the lives that they want to live mm-hmm. yeah. and to be able to um, create those spaces for for other students mm-hmm. um, and so you should care because. Mm-hmm. You care about your community. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is really, really local. Like you care about the street on which you live. Yeah. Like you care about that one street. You care about the way it looks. You care about who is able to afford to live on your street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You care about the kinds of work and meaningful work mm-hmm. that will be available in your community for students. I mean, all of those things is why a person who isn't a teacher, isn't a principal, isn't in the system of education should feel strongly about mm-hmm. getting involved even mm-hmm. or having conversations yep. with a neighbor or maybe you have your teacher best friend and saying, hey, talk to me about what AP yeah. or IB. First of all, do you have AP and yeah. IB? Mm-hmm. And like, what is that? And what kinds of students take those courses mm-hmm. in your high school? Yeah. What is that even like? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really um, – that's I think that's a fantastic place to start. Yeah. Um, and and I can promise you that once you start having those conversations, you will immediately start caring a lot about mm-hmm. what's going on in your schools. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. awesome. Thank you. That's yeah. a great mm-hmm. answer. It's great advice. 
Um, now to our ridiculous segments. Uh, yeah. Guilty favesies. Guilty so, favesies. Guilty favesies. Something. Love guilty favesies. You interchangeable. White ladies. Somewhat guilty about, but it's really a it's secret really favorite. a secret favorite. <sighs> it's a hard one. Annie, you got one? Oh. Excuse I already me. know mine. Okay. Go, Kim. Oh, yeah. You got go. it. Yeah. Mine is, is immediately just like any kind of fake food. Like any <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of... Processed cheese. Okay, I, I'm not here for no? process okay. cheese, oh, but oh, but okay. would not would not judge one <laughs> would okay. not judge right. one for for loving yeah. the passion. Annie processed loves cheese food. Well, I, I like cheese flavor like snacks processed though. Processed vegan cheese because okay. I don't eat dairy, and so I feel that really hard. Okay, yeah, fair. That yeah. see, okay, so, what yeah. fake food? You so got like Cheez Its, Cheetos, uh, not natural Cheetos, real, real um, Cheetos, real yeah. like. Neon, like whatever that color is, yeah. orange Cheetos, like any C- kind of greasy, kind of gre- like yeah. like they like their beef fat is an ingredient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it is yeah. in the on the ingredient list. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, but like fast food, like love McDonald's French fries, love a Taco Bell bean burrito. Mm-hmm. <sighs> like, uh, like what yeah. I'm saying is, I think that's like legitimately delicious food. Yeah. Oh, so I think Absolutely. I'm gonna um, add to that, and I'm gonna say definitely guilty favorite is the Taco Bell quesadilla Damn. with green sauce. Yes. Oh, Particularly yeah. between the hours of like 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., and you can yeah. guess what's going on there. That I really need one at that sure. time. Yeah. And I think there's something comforting about eating it in the car I mean, while you're driving. Okay, I eat it in the so. parking lot. I eat yeah. it in the car, but in the Been parking there. lot. Yeah. Yeah. Someone oh. was like, "How do you not make a mess? There's no way." And I'm like, "Oh yeah. no, I got it down." I'm you, skilled. Like, roll the package yep. back carefully. Oh, yeah. a slight tear. I know about that. One hand on the wheel. One hand yeah. on the little. Sauce. Knowing there's a Taco Bell like 500 yards from where we are now. It's brutal. It's, it's making you go it's the red after yeah, so water. You're like, I, gotta eat. Yeah. I gotta tell you, like, I am. I love fake food. I love yeah. it. I grew up yeah. on it. I grew up eating a lot of processed foods. Yeah. Um and. Still love it. Yeah. It's good. Annie, you think yours? Um, I did. It's a food theme. I just like, I'm really about that today. Um, I, mine is um, giant American tortillas. Yeah. You know how in, in like, actual tortillas yeah. are not very big? No. But if you go to, like, Americanized, like, especially owned by white people, Americanized yeah. Mexican restaurants, Mexican in air quotes. Um, it's like the giant um, white like flower. The, yeah, they're probably, it's like, like a pillow. they're probably, like, thir- 14, 15 inches in diameter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then they fill them, and when they fill them, they're, like, the size of a newborn baby. Yeah, like, totally, yeah. yes. That <laughs> size of tortilla is my guilty phase. So is yeah. guilty, so then could we, so then is your guilty phase, he's, like, general, like, big food? Um. Hmm, that's an ooh, interesting. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> something to explore. Oh. We should have an episode called Big. Foods. I mean, because big. That's the thought of giant food is really hilarious. Like the, I mean, like a giant, like like Guinness World Record setting giant hamburgers. Is that what you I don't mean? necessarily like, mean like that. Okay. Although. I like. I do like comically large like fruit. Like you ever go to the what? grocery store and you see a banana that's like yeah, like like almost two feet long, and you're like, how did that happen? It's like a it's like a Hanford banana. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. cucumbers yeah. and squash are, are always like, yeah. how did that? Or you ever see a zucchini that like just went a little too far, or yeah. like somebody didn't realize that it was still growing, and <laughs> it then just went too they, far. They, <laughs> they went out at Halloween and they were like, oh my god, it's the zucchini long. that went too far. <laughs> like the next episode. I, yeah, so no, uh, I guess I do like comically large food. I think that the thing about the tortillas uh, is that they're so so delicious. They are. They're so good. They're it's just so like good. white flour. I feel like there's so lard bad. in there, Annie. Well, it, dep- sure. it, depends on, it depends on how Americanized it is mm. because they're really Americanized like Casa Que Pasa in Bellingham or like what's the one in Olympia, the um, <coughs> um, uh, quality burrito. That one, they they have their tortillas are like you could use it as a blanket. Like they're huge. <laughs> you could make yourself a burrito. 
like your actual like your person. actual human yeah. body a burrito. It's time for our last segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. All right, Kim, what is your homework for all these wonderful <laughs> listeners out here? Okay, so I really feel super excited about this homework assignment. Um, and I also feel really excited to say that I that I feel like it's pretty simple. Mm. Um, and it is very specifically for our white listeners. Perfect. And that we is... We have a lot of those. Okay, yeah. okay. It's true. Hi, guys. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but... Shout out. Slash ew. Shout out. Is a podcast that I discovered um, several months ago, which... It's the Nerd Podcast. It's not... <laughs> it's not Nerd Farm Podcast? No. How, can I... Can I... Live, though? Can I... Can I have my own thing? Um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> It's called uh, the Seeing White podcast um, hmm. by Seen on Radio, and Seen as in S C E N E. Okay. And I discovered this podcast um, over the summer, and it it's it's spectacular. It is absolutely phenomenal. And hmm. in, and this podcast is um, is both narrated or done by and created by a white man who um, worked in public radio for many, many years and um, decided that that he wanted to do a, a, an exploration of whiteness as a white person. Mm. So this is not a podcast that centers race in the ways that we typically do, which is to talk about black people mm-hmm. or people of color. This right. is about talking about the development, the literal invention of whiteness mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah. It is, if you are, if you, and anyone should listen to this, but mm-hmm. particularly white folks, because mm-hmm. if you are someone who says they are committed to justice, wherever mm-hmm. that shows up, mm-hmm. you need to understand our history. Mm-hmm. And white folks in particular have a very... Um, have a tremendous lack of understanding around the development of whiteness and race, which were designed deliberately mm-hmm. as a means of uh, labor mm-hmm. and as a means of power and a means of distributing that power. Yeah. So highly recommend, so recommend um, seen on radios, seeing whiteness podcast. And um, it will, I really truly believe will not only you will learn so much, but I think for for white folks in particular is a really good place to start mm-hmm. around um, around really understanding race and racism in a way that I think is really effective. It's kind. It's not shaming. Mm-hmm. And the host says, by the way, that this is a podcast for like you know good white people. <laughs> this is pod- This is a podcast for people who couldn't believe that Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. So Proud Boys, if you're listening, um, nobody, one, gives a fuck about you. And two, this isn't for you um, at all. Like, just please don't. Um, This is for folks who say, like, I want to know more, but Mm -hmm. I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. That sounds awesome. Sounds really good. Do you have something, Uh, Annie? Yeah. Since we were talking about... um... Big food? No. Oh, God. I love big food. Um, The... the, uh, fact that so much of our decision making about like mm. access happens mm. at the school like mm. building level I feel like for educators who are listening so we have a handful of those too mixed in um to look at your if you're especially in secondary but also I mean secondary including middle school because I think about the tracking that happens in middle school Absolutely. and how it affects kids when they get to high school mm-hmm. 
but look at um, your systems of how, you know, how kids move through your coursework and whether or not that's equitable. And, you know, if it takes one teacher in one building saying this doesn't seem right or there's, you know, what are we doing to support all of our students mm-hmm. and not not thinking like in buzzwords, but like mm-hmm. our students of color being shut out. Like, how do you, you know, how do you address that in your uh, your building? Just think it like look at look at it. Just look at it. Start by looking at it. Like, mm-hmm. who's not mm-hmm. included? And because, can I just add yeah. a very, like, easy, very specific way yeah, to do that? absolutely. Ask, what is the course mm-hmm. at your school that tends to be the gatekeeper mm-hmm. for ninth graders to yeah. AP? A lot of the times, it's an honors English 9. Yeah. Um, but what is that class? Just just find out. Right. Ask around. What is the class that typically acts as the gateway course, the mm-hmm. course that assesses students' readiness right. for AP? And, if and a, start from there. Yeah. And if a gateway course is in eighth grade, mm-hmm. look at how you give students opportunities who were not there for that eighth grade year. Because we have a transient student population. Like Totally. A, and how do you how do you get students in the door if they weren't there for the, you know, that that trap that initial that initial push totally in. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah that's great okay um that's a lot of homework already i think but i i'll, I'll add because <laughs> why not um just going back to something that was said earlier this idea that equity is hot and so uh, for better or for worse challenge yourself to look into what that actually means mm. and think about yeah. it in your context whatever your workplace is um because that's mm-hmm. going to shift a little mm-hmm. bit depending on like your context yeah. sure. but really start to explore what does equity look like for you and how are you either supporting it or mm-hmm. um creating inequities in your workplace um, yeah. at mm-hmm. home and, and the systems that you live in so absolutely kim thank you for coming on our show thank you so much thank you what a awesome. fun conversation we'll have to have so you come great. back and actually talk about college admissions i would love it <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Yeah, we totally love that. Love we can do part two. Part two. Love it. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is reading a book. A book. We're going to read White Fragility. By Robin D'Angelo. Please pick up your copy at King's Book or your favorite local bookstore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, get it soon because you need to read it by the end of November. Otherwise, you're going to fail this assignment. (laughs) Go ahead and read it. Post comments online. Use the hashtag ReadLessBasic. Bye. Bye. And please support Channel 253 with a monthly or annual membership at Channel253.com. Can I ask a quick clarifying question sure. about, about cursing? You oh, can do fine. what you want. Okay, good. Yeah. You can do what you want. We try not to. Okay. It's it like, sometimes happens. A few okay. times yeah. Nate's had guests that are like, and then yeah. Doug like, makes a funny noise in it. Okay. Yeah. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.